Hello, this is Ryan Fritz with Science of Cardio, delivering the latest and greatest and the pros and cons of exercise science. We're going to talk today about periodization, which is a scientific progression for training. So an overview, we're going to talk about the purpose of periodization or scientific training progressions. Um, we will go into kind of annual plans, the different cycles or phases or subphases uh, that make up an annual plan. I want to talk about supercompensation or peaking or also known as overreaching. Um, again, I want to discuss or have you think about overtraining and undertraining. And then last but not least is rest and recovery. These are all kind of key factors that go into scientific progression or also known as periodization. So the purpose of periodization, um, basically periodization is a scientific progression. You're looking kind of long term and you're trying to reach or plan for a certain goal. So there's kind of three key factors that go into periodization or scientific training progressions. Uh, those are increase in efficiency, improve performance, and decrease injury or injury prevention. So increased efficiency, good example is a marathon. If you're running a marathon, obviously you want to get faster and do better with your times. So um, you know, there's a million ways to look at running a marathon or training for a marathon. You can run one 26.2 mile uh, set. You can do two uh, 23 mile sets or you can do a bunch of different versions of that to train to do that goal so kind of thinking outside the box there's multiple ways to accomplish a goal and what is the most efficient or fastest way to get there without getting hurt so improved performance we um, basically are kinda looking at amateur amateur versus professional so amateur is going to get to a goal you know a certain way and a professional might get to a similar goal uh, a certain way they might be faster more efficient and they might do it without getting hurt so we want to kind of keep that in mind there, again there's a difference between an amateur moving or trying to get to a professional level and we have kind of the professional versus world-class professional athletes are doing a lot of scientific training um, but some of the best performers in the world are doing you know, things a little bit different, a little bit better. So something to think about. And last but not least is injury prevention. Um, we want to make sure that we're not getting hurt before championships. And injury is going to obviously hurt your performance and decrease kind of your overall, you know, goal. So now I want to talk about stress and adaptation. So... Basically, when you're training, when you're strength training, when you're conditioning, you're basically applying a stress to the body. The hope is that when you stress the body, the body adapts or reacts positively to that stress. So it might be doing, you know, three sets of 10 on a squat, and you're doing it with 100 pounds. And then the next time you do it, you might do it with 125 pounds. And we're just trying to use that kind of... Uh, long-term throwing stress on your body hopefully your body adapts positively and gets stronger okay so we kind of have these different key components 
of stress and adaptation, obviously overload principle. So again, that's what I was discussing, throwing stress on the body and hopefully the body increases uh, or improves or adapts to that stress. This is a very gray and tricky area. If you put too much stress on too fast, your body will get hurt or it may um, have a slow progression because it's too much too fast. Again, adaptation is stress on the body. There are short-term adaptations, long-term adaptations, and there's positive and negative. So obviously we don't want a negative uh, stress adaptation because that's going to decrease our performance, decrease how fast we get to that goal. Another good principle that I always try to use with my clients is use it or lose it. If you're not doing something, your body is going to regress or decline. If you're not doing strength training, your muscles are going to get weaker. If you're putting stress on your body, your body will adapt or get better at that stress, i.e. running, strength, um, any type of stress. Uh, and lastly, specificity. Um, are you training for your goal and what type of stress? You know, If you are trying to do a sport that is very high in explosive movements and has a lot of power output you don't want to do long slow distance cardiovascular training you want to change that training to meet your goal and kind of improve as fast or efficient as you can the exercise strength and conditioning or muscular endurance continuum so if you look at the numbers you have kind of the lower end on your rep max or your rep range and you're going to have more of an emphasis on strength and power um, as you move up and you get into kind of the 6 to 12 rep range you get into hypertrophy which is kind of muscle building or muscle growth and then once you start getting past kind of that 12 repetition or 12 rep max you get into this higher reps you're looking more at muscular endurance so you have adaptations all the way through but depending on your goal you might have a certain or specific way of doing something to try to accommodate or meet your end goal or result so continuing with adaptation um, the basic principle of adaptation is called the general adaptation syndrome so you throw stress on the body you use proper scientific techniques like rest nutrition uh, recovery or regeneration and that will create adaptation. Just by doing stress on the body doesn't necessarily mean that you will get adaptation. So there's all those components kind of compiled together um, help improve adaptation. Adaptation is what gets us to the result of getting stronger, getting faster, being more efficient, having better endurance. So uh, my mentor Mark Verstegen, he has a quote on here, uh, work plus rest equals success if you're always throwing load stress or work on the body eventually it's going to decline or plateau so just some things we want to kind of um, you know keep in mind work and recovery don't allow adaptation stress and rest cause adaptation so recovery and rest are not created equal so those are some things to keep in mind uh, when you're training we want to be aware of stress we want to be aware of nutrition rest um, you know we basically want to do work we want to rest it to get the best bang for your buck or your time investment so let's go into program cycles so we'll do kind of an overview uh, so there's a bunch of different terms uh, if you look at this chart on the left we have 
uh, kind of the periodization cycles and kind of the descriptions. So I'll just review that real quick. We have a quadrennial cycle, which is kind of a four-year plan. We have a micro cycle, which is typically a year plan. We have meso cycles or phases, and those are usually three to four weeks. Um, we have a micro cycle, which is typically about a week, and then we have kind of a workout, which is like a you know a day workout or uh, session workout for a day. So you might have two sessions in a day, so something like that for a workout. Um, there are different versions and variations of this. So if we look at this chart here on the right, we have kind of our annual plan. Again, this is a lot of same terminology, but it's set up differently. Um, we have our training phases, preparatory, competitive, transition. We have sub-phases, and they have kind of the general specific preparation, uh, pre-competitive and competitive, and the transition phases. Uh, they have this spelled out differently, kind of with these micro-cycles and macro-cycles. Um, again, there's no right or wrong way to do this. The point that I'm trying to drive home or come across is there's a very thought-out process and, uh, you know, very kind of planned or meditated um, way to reach a goal or try to get to your peak performance. Okay, moving along, we have a mesocycle or phases. These are kind of broken up into weeks. So you can see at the top we have kind of a quarter macrocycle. And this is broken up into a bunch of mesocycles. So you can see that they have them into four-week increments. And those progress um, over four weeks. And then they switch into another mesocycle. So another way to do this. Again, there's no right or wrong way. Um, they are expressed in a lot of different graphs. Uh, you, know, you have linear, linear graphs or vertical graphs. So um, just an example. So moving along to supercompensation or peaking. Um, this is essentially what every coach or athlete is trying to do. Um, if you look at this graph here on the left, we kind of have this dip and then we have this rise in the graph. Um, essentially what happens is you throw stress on the body and then it improves. So that happens on a daily basis. It happens on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So going to the graph on the right of the screen we have kind of this red line work stress and then we have this super compensation or peaking that happens after recovery and then we do that again and you know this might be again on a daily basis weekly monthly yearly or multi-year basis so essentially we're throwing stress on the body we're doing work or things to fatigue it we're doing recovery or resting and then we have that thing called supercompensation. Uh, that is to increase performance. So we need kind of these rises and dips in our training, work and rest, to get better. And to prevent against overtraining, injury, or decrease in performance or power output. This is also known as overreaching. So periodization, we have kind of loading and unloading. Uh, this is a huge, huge importance. Um, as you can see on this graph that we show, we have volume and we have time as our y and x axis. 
all these little dips and valleys we have our supercompensation overreaching or peaking and then we have our rest recoveries so we're going through and we're improving over time we're increasing stress and we're also allowing our body to adapt we then use a deload rest or kind of a reset phase whatever you want to call it and we start back up that trend of these little super compensations overreaching or um, kind of peaking phases. If you kind of go through and you try to keep increasing, which is what most um, kind of amateur level athletes and coaches are doing, you have a uh, basically a plateau phase or you have a decrease in performance. So um, big things we want to kind of look at or the reason for doing this is we want to talk about unloading, recovery, and rest. So those are the key things that make you get better, keep performing, you know, having better performances and power outputs, um, decrease in injuries, or keeping you healthy. So again, loading and unloading is very important. It should be done on a weekly basis. It should be done on a monthly basis, a yearly basis. So performance, loading and unloading, again, kind of rehashing. We want to throw stress on the body. We want to rest the body. The body will adapt and hopefully get stronger, faster, more efficient. So we do that over time. Uh, again, we're looking to try to unload that to rebuild and progress more. Um, again, some coaches, some athletes try to do a linear progression and, uh, you know, your body, uh, is a very, very complicated machine. So, uh, looking at this graph here, we kind of have this progression in this yellow line that is a plateau. So, um, I'm just kind of comparing two athletes. One athlete might try to keep doing a little bit more. They might do a mile each week, or they might do 10 pounds on an exercise each week, progressing that over time. Uh, one athlete might take a week off. The other athlete might continue to try to do that. They may plateau uh, and be stuck at the same intensity. So the purpose of this is just to demonstrate kind of what happens uh, between two people, one person doing a periodized or scientific progression and another athlete or person doing um, kind of the traditional let's do more, add more. So, um, you know, again, yellow lines, the plateauing, no periodization. Over time, that person is going to have a decrease in performance. They're going to have over overtraining symptoms and... Uh, you know, we don't have periodization designed into that. The other person, they take weeks or days off, and they have kind of a really neat game plan, very smart, well-planned and thought-out game plan, and they slowly progress or increase uh, over time. So this is just a good example of two people kind of doing different approaches to reaching a goal, and this, you know, might be the kind of outcome of how they are training. So the, again, the purpose of this is to show or look at preventing plateauing and decreases in performance. So looking at performance, uh, I'm going to compare two athletes. We have uh, one athlete who's going to have a period, periodized program, scientific progression, and the other athlete is going to do more of a traditional linear progression. So the both athletes are going to start out, they're going to progress up to a certain point. 
the periodized athlete is going to possibly do an unload or recovery rest period and then they're going to start a little bit lower and then they're going to progress up the linear athlete will basically get to a point where they're going to plateau so they may kind of have a stre strength or cardiovascular plateau or power output plateau over time this is going to make a huge difference on kind of the end goal or result the athlete who's periodized and they're doing scientific progressions they're going to progress up a little bit further have those little super compensations and uh, peaking performances uh, the athlete who's not periodized they're going to basically plateau eventually what's going to happen is they're going to have a decrease in performance because their body cannot handle the load or stress that's going on it uh, again the other athlete who's doing a scientific progression is going to slowly uh, keep increasing and you can see kind of the end of this chart there is a huge difference between kind of athlete one and athlete two the one athlete doing the periodized and the other athlete not doing a periodized program so food for thought so a major thing that's involved with this increase in um, stress is recovery so they work hand in hand um, we kind of you know have lots of different ways to recover so I'm going to look at it as kind of a zoomed out or macro or kind of a big picture and then we're going to look at zoomed in so um, on a timetable or schedule recovery uh, or big picture long term should be kind of you should have a yearly rest period or cycle or phase that you're kind of taking off uh, from your sport or your training or your goal uh, again it should be broken up into smaller kind of recovery phases or sessions in the quarterly the weekly and the daily views um, again this is all to prevent from overtraining injury and to maximize kind of the effort that you're putting into your sport activity event whatever your goal is um, then we want to zoom in to kind of the micro level or kind of real specific we want to look at kind of the day-to-day -day thing we want to look at rest intervals in between your sets um, those are going to have different impacts on uh, how your body adapts if you look at the graph on the lower right hand corner uh, table 18.12 uh, you have rest intervals in between your sets so these are strength kind of related uh, this has to do with energy systems ATP uh, creatine phosphate glycolysis and the Krebs cycle so strength you're gonna have a longer rest in between to try to get your ATP stores to replenish and recovery if you're trying to build muscle or hypertrophy you're gonna have 30 seconds to a minute and a half or 90 seconds as a recovery in between your sets that is to kind of reach certain goals that's again looking at certain hormonal responses and then muscular endurance is going to be less than 30 seconds rest intervals so we get into kind of the hydration electrolytes nutrition are all day-to-day -day importance or things to be thinking about uh, for hydration we have this kind of P chart here um, that is a good kind of thing to look at when you're training if you're pee or urine is really yellow or dark that means uh, your body is very dehydrated so you might want to add some electrolytes and some water 
uh, into your body. Another thing that is huge is sleep. Rest, obviously, that's when all our muscles and body repairs itself. So less sleep is going to decrease your performance and overall goal and uh, efficiency. Again, the hormones that ties into our rest, our training. Uh, cortisol is a stress hormone. Uh, lots of stress increases cortisol. And uh, again, depending on your goal, what you're trying to accomplish, we can use certain training uh intensities and time or rest intervals to release HGH, human growth hormone, uh, testosterone, or uh, insulin-like growth factor. So some really neat things that we can kind of throw into a scientific progression to maximize the outcome. So rest is, again, another very important topic needs to be done. Um, I've talked to tons of people that, you know, do marathons and run long distances, uh, you know, 50 milers, ultra marathons. Uh, they tell me they don't rest at all. Um, I, I don't think that's the smartest approach uh, long term. Uh, it's a very unsustainable kind of approach or goal. Uh, so work stress, um, you know, with rest. We're looking at volume and resting heart rate. Your body is going to basically have trouble with volume and it's going to respond or show us that by looking at our resting heart rate. So here's kind of an example. Um, I usually stick to a six day max session, uh, you know, week. Um, again, you can have multiple sessions in a day. So, you know, Obviously, there's a day of rest in there. So if you look at this little chart we got here, we got an easy day, a medium intensity day, a high intensity day. Then we do a recover or an unload. We go back to an easy day, and then we ramp back up. And then on our seventh day, we take off and rest. Okay, that's again to allow accommodation, adaptation, and get your body kind of getting the best that it can be or get to. Okay, so we have different types of rest. We have passive rest. Passive rest is doing nothing. It's laying on the couch or sleeping, not moving at all. Um, active rest is doing light type of movements to increase blood flow, to flush out waste products, and to help with lymphatic drainage. So we have stretching, light cardio, um, foam rolling, massages, massage stick, contrast baths, uh, and icing. So... Lots of different ways that you can kind of clean out your blood system uh, to help with recovery and repairing. And that way you can go as hard as you can on your next training session. So now we go into overtraining. Uh, this is the biggest reason why people get hurt um, or do not win a competition or a you know championship. Um, they basically pushed you hard and their body cannot uh, respond appropriate to the stress and the volume and the long-term stress and long-term volume that they put on. So these are just examples. I'll have you read through those. Um, the ones that are highlighted are things that I use as key indicators. So muscle soreness, uh, drop in performance. Again, looking at kind of power with that. Um, people getting sick, you know, immunity is big. All these are very, very important. 
Um, the biggest one that I look at is resting heart rate. So if there is a 8 to 10 beat increase in resting heart rate that tells me that the body is not adapting, that is a non-biased or an objective view data point that allows or tells us that our body is trying to repair itself. Um, and then, you know, lastly, kind of decrease in training intensity. So uh, you're not able to do as many reps or sets. Um, you know, your mileage starts to decrease. So different examples, um, some things to think about. So this next slide, uh, the overtraining kind of continued. I highly recommend, you know, data collection. We have all these neat little bio kind of feedback tools, heart rate monitors, tracking devices. Um, use that to your advantage. You can analyze those. I'll go into that more in a little bit. Um, we're also, you know, concerned with cortisol levels or stress, you know, that's going to drive cortisol levels. Um, you know, professional Olympic athletes might be using blood work to track or monitor that. Um, so again, this is the reason for us putting these cycles and kind of having science behind what we're doing. Um, you know, one thing that helps with overtraining is regeneration, sleep, resting heart rate. Okay, again, looking at that, um, there should be kind of rest and recovery built in uh, to your weeks, to your months, to your year plans. Um, lastly, the rest and recovery, um, you know, we kind of have this, this whole scale, you know, we should be getting 8 to 10 hours of sleep per night. Uh, you should be taken off one day a week um, to allow your body to rest, recover, and adapt. Um, we want to look at a monthly kind of recovery or um, weekly rest recovery phase. And then, you know, every quarter there should be, you know, a couple times where you're taking off resting or recovering and then kind of on that yearly scale. So kind of long-term looking on all those little things to maximize performance. Okay, here is an example of a hockey player. Uh, and we have some kind of data points. Uh, so I'll let you read these. First day before training camp, their VO2 at anaerobic threshold was 27. Their VO2 at peak for that testing day was 43 milliliters per kilogram per minute. They had a two-minute recovery heart rate of 146 beats per minute, and their power output or watts was 440. And we went back and tested this same person after four months. They were into their season. Their VO2 at anaerobic threshold went up to 38 milliliters per kilogram. Their VO2 peak went up two milliliters. Uh, their two-minute heart rate recovery went down, which is good. We want them to be more efficient and getting better. And their watts or power output was uh, 380. So that is kind of our big indicator. Our power output is going down. So we have to look at all these different parameters, factors, and data points to get a better or a holistic kind of analysis. So they're basically their cardio is getting better, but their legs are starting to decrease. So this is a sign of overtraining, and we want to try to change or modify their program to prevent this decrease in power output. So again, we have this chart. 
periodized versus non-periodized. Again, that red line is overtraining. We are basically decreasing in performance. Power outputs going down. Okay, so those are just some kind of cool things how you can use that data analysis. Um, again, the tracking of the heart rate, uh, power output, strength, loads, and all those things to figure out what to do, how to change, how to modify. So here's something that people don't talk about a lot is undertraining. Um, this example that I'm going to use is for VO2 testing, so uh, bear with me. Uh, so we have the traditional cardiovascular predicted heart rate formula or estimated max heart rate. That's 220 minus your age. Um, so we'll use a 40-year-old person for an example for this. So 220 minus 40 equals 180. So that's an estimated max heart rate based off of a lot of cardiovascular heart rate trainings. Um, so typically most heart rate trainings say that you know you have to do 70% in order to get some sort of cardiovascular benefit. So we take 220 minus their age and we get 180, 180 times 70% is 126. Okay, at 80% that's where we get to that kind of higher intensity and uh, 180 at 80% is 144 beats per minute. And then we have 220 minus your age and 90% or kind of that high intensity is 162 beats per minute. Okay, so these are all predicted formulas. Um, so this is a test of an actual person who was 40 years old. Um, their actual test, they got to 181 beats per minute. So in theory, they went above what their max heart rate should be. Um, their cardio zone was 152 or 70 percent um, plus or minus was 152 beats per minute so that is you know roughly 27 beats more than the predicted formula anaerobic uh, zone 80 plus percent 179 versus 144 so that's huge and then we have our peak uh, heart rate zones. Um, again, these are actual kind of VO2 datas. Uh, they're basically training effectiveness or kind of that 90 percentile should be at 184. So that's, you know, 22 beats higher than what the estimated formula is. So I see this all the time. People go on the internet and find information uh, 220 minus your age and they train these zones and they're way under training and we should have some sort of an idea based off of our physiology what our kind of individual peak performance is. So highly recommend doing a VO2 test um, also doing kind of some strength testing but the uh, physiology should be kind of your limit and not um, some generic numbers that we're kind of guessing based off of some stuff on the internet. So let's talk about goals and maintenance. So a um, little bit different from strength or building muscle tissue than cardiovascular. And again, those have different physiology and kind of different properties. And um, so let's just dive into it. So strength, what happens is, is your cells um, and your muscles, they turn over every 7 to 14 days. So... I usually recommend trying to do strength at a minimum, uh, you know, once a week as a maintenance or trying to maintain your strengths, and then um, trying to get at least two times a week in to improve muscle strength. 
and then having a day two or three of rest in between each kind of strength session. Again, some key components are going to be protein and nutrition and sleep and recovery. So if you look at kind of the uh, long term, you know, depending on how fast you want to get stronger, you know, I would say one to three days per week with a rest or recovery day in between each training strength session. Um, again, this is different for conditioning. Conditioning is more of a mitochondria or oxidative property. So your body can usually sustain two to three days uh, after that you start having decreases in performance. So as a minimum or a maintenance phase, you want to have one uh, session a week where you're at 90% max heart rate or above. You want to have one session per week where you're training 80 to 90% of max heart rate, and then you want to have one uh, minimum session per week at 70 to 80% max heart rate. Again, if you're trying to maximize that, you might have two of those 90% uh, effort training sessions, two of the 80 to 90% training sessions and two of the 70 to 80. So you can see the difference on these charts below. You kind of have three sessions per week and then you have your six sessions per week. So depending on maintenance or, you know, trying to get to your goal as fast as possible, that's going to determine what you do. You should have, again, rest recoveries and there should be some sort of a scientific planned out process with these. Okay, let's talk about volume versus intensity. Volume is basically three sets of 10 on a strength exercise. You would add another set. So four sets of 10. Add another set, five sets of 10. So that's volume. Intensity is working at maybe 90% of max heart rate. So that's the difference between volume and an intensity. Volume does not make you faster or stronger. This is a presentation I did for some triathletes and some Ironmen and women. Uh, so this is focused more on the cardio side. Um, volume does not make you faster or stronger. Speed is what makes you faster or stronger. If you train slow, you go slow. If you train with heavy strength, you get stronger. If you train with no strength, then you get weaker. Volume is a killer. This is the difference between an amateur and a professional athlete or a professional athlete and an Olympic level athlete or world class level. So for, again, conditioning example, are you training, are you running, biking, swimming, uh, jogging, are those junk miles or focus miles? Um, you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat. You can, you know, again, you can run a mile 700 or a million different ways. So you can run, you know, 16 100 meter dashes. You can do uh, four 400 meter dashes. You can do one 1600 meter dash. So there's a lot of ways to train and kind of prepare for that goal. Um, as a strength, um, again, junk miles or junk training versus focus training, uh, strength. I know a lot of people, they'll do three or four warm-up sets before they get to their working set. Um, basically, this is just adding more volume and it's putting more stress on your joints, more stress on your bodies. So be smart about what you do and how you do it. You know, you don't need to overdo it as long as you're smart and you have really, really kind of thought out process on what you're doing and how you're trying to meet your goal.
okay? Too much stress may or may not allow the body to recover. So that's the big thing with volume. You know, lots of volume uh, might not recover. Then you go and push again, and you have lots of volume, and the body doesn't recover. You push again. Over time, you're going to have a plateau or decrease in performance, strength, or endurance. Okay? So again, all those things are important as intensity goes. Again, Intensity, uh, if you think in the weight room, intensity might be a 100-pound dumbbell versus a 5-pound dumbbell. Or on the track or in endurance racing, uh, intensity might be you know, a certain speed or pace versus distance. So intensity would be you know, sprint versus the distance, which would be volume. So... These are just some examples and, you know, again, trying to think about what we're doing. More does not always do better, okay? Plateauing, decrease in performance. So to review kind of periodization tips, um, we want to have a reverse engineered plan. So we take a goal or kind of an end date and we work back from there. We set up our recovery weeks, our recovery days, and we have kind of some sort of a scientific or well thought out plan or progression. Again, we're trying to increase intensity with rest and recovery. We're looking at kind of those annual or the yearly cycles, the monthly, weekly, quarterly cycles, and then we're looking at the kind of the daily or the weekly cycles. So, um, you know, again, rest and recovery are okay. Um, too much rest will decrease performance. Too much stress, too much volume will decrease performance. So there's an art to this, and it's very kind of science-based. So there's kind of a, a happy medium, just like anything uh, in life and training. Again, the more detail that you can get, the better results that you're going to get. If you have all of your calories, your mileage, your heart rate, um, your distances, your strength loads, your sets, if all that stuff is trackable and you can analyze it and you can make good decisions or smart decisions off of that information, you're going to get awesome results and you will continue to get better and improve your performance. So again, this brings us to the data collection. Use these tools and the technologies we have to track your heart rate, to track your GPS, your distance, and your power output, and make uh, you know smart decisions on modifying to do better with those. Again, more is not always better. So this brings me to my kind of final follow-up point. Um, Science of Cardio is kind of my company. We do remote training programming. Uh, essentially, what we do is we meet with a client or athlete. We do some testing or assessments. We do body weight, composition, postural screen, range of motion assessments. We do strength in VO2 or cardiovascular tests. We come up with a workout or a program based off of that, and then we send it to you via email, or we have a web application that we use on the phones or iPads. Um, Basically, we set up a training program for you. We come up and we try to compare pre and post test results. So what happened before? What was your strength? What was your endurance? What were your ranges of motions? And then we try to use that information to design a custom or 
specialized individual program for you. Um, again, we try to use a science-based periodization strength and conditioning program, and that is, uh, again, either emailed to you or can be viewed through an app that we uh, use through the company. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to email me. Uh, my email address is uh, info at scienceofcardio.com. Uh, we have the company cell phone on there. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed that. If you have any questions, uh, please contact me. And uh, you can also check out the website if you're interested in the periodization or the online remote training. Thank you very much. Thank you.